Hi, BT Focus listeners. We have such an exceptional Day in the Life series interview that we're so excited to share with all of you. And to me, this episode is just a clear example of how new behavior technicians entering the field from other disciplines can be so valuable, especially when these individuals possess the traits of a desire to learn, empathy and compassion, and just an overall enthusiasm for supporting others. And to me, it's very clear from this conversation, it's clear how these traits, the lease has allowed her to excel in this career change. And now we see how she's using it to impact the lives of others. Now, one more quick note, I just want to share that we recorded this episode a few weeks ago and we were waiting to release it. So I I referenced a sporting event, the NBA Finals, which we now know the outcome of. And a thought that I had that I wanted to share is while these athletic feats, these championships, these Olympic gold medals, while they are so impressive, they pale in comparison to the type of accomplishments that we see every day through the work of our behavior technicians in truly changing the lives of others and the families that we serve. So enjoy incredible conversation. And Elise, thank you for the work that you're doing to change lives. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Hello and welcome back to a very special edition of the BT Focus podcast, our Day in the Life series. And I am joined by an exceptional behavior technician named Elise. Elise, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. And, you know, you and I have had the pleasure of meeting a bit before and learning about your experience in the field as a BT. And you have a really remarkable story and some remarkable perspectives. Um, How about we start at the beginning? Let's talk about your story. How did you find yourself entering the field as a behavior technician? Oh, okay. So that one's pretty interesting for me. Um, I honestly had no experience working with kids ever. Um, Even throughout college, I only worked with geriatrics, a lot of senior care, caregiving. It was kind of like my second nature. I always did that at home. You know, if someone was sick, that was that was my job. So that kind of got me through college, but I kind of found my calling in microbiology and biotechnology. And I absolutely loved it. I got my degree and I came back to my hometown and I started getting a lot of lab experience working up. And as I decided I was going to kind of hop in and get my feet wet, I got a call just one day, totally unexpected, from Michigan. And they were saying, well... This is a new field. I have seen your resume. Till this day, I'm not entirely sure how she even got it because I hadn't posted it online or anything. But the woman I talked to, she was amazing. She wanted to do a phone interview. And I kind of felt like I was completely out of my league. (laughs) You know, no experience with kids. But I kind of knew the basics that autism was really growing in my region. So I kind of figured, you know, I'll I'll check it out. Just kind of you know, at least see what she has to say. If she can tell me anything, I can do some more research myself, kind of get prepared for it. So I went ahead with the phone interview. We hit it off. I absolutely loved her. 
And she got me started on training right away. And I'm like, well, worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. You know, I always have something to fall back on. But it really intrigued me because I did come from a family of educators, mainly elementary ages. So why not? Went all in, went through the training, and I got to meet some really amazing people uh, who did the training, who did the testing. They all had their stories. They all got everyone talking. And you'll meet people who've been in this field for so many years. They know so much. And you can tell they were just so passionate about all of the kids they worked with. And just seeing that passion, I I knew that this was a good company, it was a home, and that gave me a lot of comfort. So I went ahead, went through the training, and met my first kiddo. I was lucky to start off in the center. I was surrounded by amazing technicians, amazing center coordinators. Anytime I had a question, anything you needed, you had your community, your family right there to help you. And even with the rough areas, you know, here's what you could do. Here's what you could try. You know, I had my hand held from the start. And I mean, it was absolutely amazing just how everyone pulled together all these amazing kids that we've gotten to meet. And here I am about a year and a half, almost two years in with the company. It's been inspirational getting to work with these kids. And I'm really happy that Centria found me. Uh, That's so incredible to hear, Elise. And I think you hit on one common theme that I experienced myself initially. And in the beginning, you know, while on one hand, maybe you could say that you lacked some of like the experiential knowledge of ABA, you, you said something really interesting when we talked before about there's something about your background in um, applied sciences, right? And it was something about mm-hmm. the core scientific themes on one hand resonating with you. But then something else, which I think is critically important and as important, is the, the human element, right? You've, while you Absolutely. weren't working directly with clients or with children, you were in helping professions all throughout college and the work you're doing. So, what would you say were some of those core themes that maybe were, were generalizable to your other experience that some of your past experience actually helped you excel in your current work? Yeah, absolutely. So. When I first started, one of the trainers actually told me, you know, this is a science. You know, without a doubt, we have people who've gotten their degrees and they've had to learn how to break down behavior to some of the most simple pieces, you know, breaking it down to the function and you learn the systematics. Okay, well, what causes it? What What do they get out of it? How can you replace it? I mean, everything is broken down so perfectly. And just like in science, you know, everything is taken step by step. You don't jump to conclusion. You never state, this is a fact. You you have to study it. You have to work with it. Yeah, there's some trial and error. But in the end, you're still trying to get to the same end point. And in this, I still got to get that sense of helping someone, kind of like with caregiving. But you, you look at it at such a more technical stance where it's so broken down, so laid out. And I feel like that organization is something really wonderful because i mean even if you think about how behavioral technicians have to take all the data and then you have your amazing bcba who gets to break it all down and analyze it in the end everything you need is right there in the data that you took and if you have good data i mean you're set to go (laughs) i love that and you could almost say in a way when you entered the field, you were really collecting the data on your own experience as well. Sort of the standpoint Mm -hmm. of 
I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to let these experiences guide me. I'm going to reflect on it. And I would say for you that the data was pretty compelling, right? Fast forward yes. now, <laughs> a year and a half later in the field. And if I'm totally honest, I was the same thing. You know, um, there's a word and it's skepticism. And skepticism doesn't mean that you're cynical. It doesn't mean that you don't believe anything. Skepticism is I'm going to make an informed decision based on the data that we collect, right? It's mm-hmm. it's healthy. It's important to be skeptical, right? Um, and it was the same thing. And what were those most important data points for me? For me, the number one thing is, wow, I am starting to see progress. And once you start to see client progress, that's to me the most reinforcing thing. That's where you're, you've gotten bitten by the ABA bug, so to speak, and you see the value that you're adding to people's lives. And um, so it's a huge part, but it's something that doesn't come overnight, right? So I guess what were some of the most important like initial milestones for you as a behavior technician, as you're gaining confidence and growing in the early stages of your career? So once I first got started, I kind of mentioned I had a bit of a a rough streak with my first kiddo. Um, You know, it's pretty common for kiddos to have aggression. You know, they're scared. You're a new person. You're, You're still trying to get going. You know, they're used to having everything a certain way. They've They've already gotten their schedule down and you're this new person coming in. And, you know, after the first few behaviors, even I can admit it felt a little defeating because you're there to help a kid. And now they're becoming upset because of your presence or maybe something you were just around for at the wrong time. And it can feel defeating when you don't feel in control at first, just because you don't have that experience. But a big thing I learned was don't be afraid to ask for help. That's the number one thing. You're not, you know, worse than anyone else. No one's there to judge you. Everyone's working together. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Everyone pitched in. And once I kind of saw the worst of it, I realized there's nothing to be scared of. You're there to help guide them. You're there to help them with whatever their needs are. And if you need something too, you have your community there for you. And knowing that you always have that to fall back on, you're you're never going to feel alone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a really critical piece that couldn't be stressed more, especially for new technicians. You know, we always say the learner is always right. Meaning um, if there is a behavior that occurs, we're, we're not looking to place blame. What we're there to do is to look at what in the environment can we change to make it more optimal for them, right? And we're part of that environment. And so we learn along with our learners. And that's that's why we take data so we can reflect on what can I do differently in, in, in any situation to make improvements, right? Not placing the blame on yourself, not, I think it's sometimes very easy to internalize something like I did something, I'm going to use air quotes here. I did something wrong, right? And I'm not doing a good enough job. And there just must be something wrong with me, which is why this certain behavior is occurring, or, you know, we're not seeing the progress that we need to take. And the reality is, is that no, like we, if we can just reframe this, it's okay. We've we've taken some very valuable data here, right? And it's telling us that something needs to be either adjusted or maybe we need to give something just more time, right? Behavior change, it takes time. Behaviors that are learned develop over 
numbers of months and years. So that makes sense that sometimes progress isn't going to be overnight, but that consistency and that importance of really, you could, you could use the word self-care, right? Of not internalizing mm-hmm. these struggles, but using them as directions and guidance towards what's up ahead, I think is a really important perspective to have. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had um, a kiddo who starts kind of acting up and starts struggling and I'll even doubt myself and I'll think, you know, I've done my best with this kiddo. I've taught the things I'm best at because in the end, it does take a village to raise one. Everyone has to have a little bit of input. You generally, you learn from multiple people throughout your life. And I have doubted myself to just think maybe I've just met my calf. And as it gets worse, you'll just start to self-doubt, self-doubt. But I've realized if you can stick it out, sometimes you'll see that they do have phases. We all have phases. We all go through hardships. Maybe they're moving schools. Maybe, you know, they're moving houses or maybe they lost their friend or a pet or anything important to them. You know, everyone has their passions, just like the next person. Everyone has their struggles. And if you can just stick it out and communicate with people, try everything, get input, make your best efforts, I can almost tell you, you get through every one of those phases. And it's not (laughs) just you. I mean, sometimes you just got to stick it out and don't doubt yourself, even if it has its rocky paths. Agreed. And one, as a parent, I can affirm wholeheartedly <laughs> that it takes a village, maybe two or three, <laughs> and the most important work of raising children. And you're exactly right. There are a number of factors that are often outside of our control that do influence behavior, whether that be the client's sleep or different changes to their routine or their you know, school environment. I mean, what was this last year other than an entire exercises and changes oh in routines goodness. and schedules. Let's, <laughs> let's not get into um, what, you know, the very challenging realities of academics were for all of us in the past year. That undeniably can affect behavior, but you're exactly right. The more we communicate, that is such an important element. The more we communicate with all members of the treatment team, the family, we can look to scratch a surface of what are some of the things in the environment that might be triggering this behavior and how can we best address it? And then the other thing, again, do a a little bit more reframing, reshifting, right? Like, Elise, like how much sweeter are the victories in on the other side of these obstacles, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you've worked so hard and you stick it out, when you get to the end, you realize how much you've put in, how far they've come because you were there every step of the way you didn't give up they didn't give up and they learned from it and you were you were there for that i mean a lot of people were yeah absolutely i've used this analogy in the past and forgive me if i'm repeating myself on this but you know we are teaching some of the most important skills an individual ever learn in their life right communication social interaction adaptive living skills, right? These things take practice. Uh, The NBA finals are going on soon, I should say. (laughs) Not quite the finals, but we're the conference finals. And you look at something like, I'm going to use a simple, but, you know, as straightforward as shooting a free throw. And to get really proficient at shooting a free throw, these professionals have literally shot that ball hundreds of thousands of times in their career, right? 
And we're teaching skills that are way more important than free throws, right? So these things take time. <laughs> and so, yeah, and, it, and it's through the different seasons of life. And you know what? As one milestone is achieved and they enter into a new phase of, of life, you know, transitioning from childhood to adolescence, there is then a whole new set of opportunities for us to work towards. And to be able to see now that you have going on two years of experience, like reflecting on progress you've seen in clients over that extended period of time, I'm sure it even more so reaffirms the work that you're doing because now you can see that progress firsthand and you can see the cumulative effect of hours and hours and hours of work. So one of my very first cases, I was lucky enough to have a lot of communication with his parents, with his school and his other therapist. So we were able to see is it consistent amongst all of his environments that he's going to? And he was starting to have less behaviors here, less there, more social here, starting to interact with other kids. And that was absolutely beautiful because his parents would come up and say, he's playing with other kids, he's communicating, he's not getting upset, he's telling us what he needs. And once you have that foundation, it's, it's all limitless from there. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so good. Excellent. Well, let's change gears just a little bit. And I want to go more into your experience. So we started off what you were doing previously before you entered the field and how those experiences were very formative and really enhanced your understanding in, in a lot of ways to the work that you're doing now. But now let's take a look at like your work currently. You shared that you went on to pursue and become an RBT. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I mean, I absolutely love where I am. That's fantastic. And so we've started a whole series about the RBT process, but I think one of the best things is to hear from an RBT themselves. And maybe like if you had any words of encouragement to people who might be considering becoming an RBT, like at least why would you say someone should consider becoming an RBT? I'd say if you've been around people, if you have those special experiences, even as a kid, you can look back on who was your favorite teacher, who was your favorite parent, even though we don't really talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you remember the things that were important, things that stood out to you, the things you're going to remember for the rest of your life. Maybe the little tricks that, you know, helped you memorize something. You're learning all this stuff and you're going to take it on with you for the rest of your life. So it kind of helps you reflect back on your own life. You, you recall the things that were special to you and you, you kind of get a give it back to the world in a sense, because you have these kids that are looking for new techniques, new teachings, and you're able to give them everything you can with help, with, you know, so much more because you have a community behind it. And when you're willing to give back to someone, I mean, in the end, it's probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Because you can um, be with people, be a caretaker. You know, I've worked a lot with that. And I feel like this is so much more progressive because you get to see them actually change every step of the way. You know, there's still a little seed growing out from the soil. So once you see that first little sprout, it gives you so much hope. Every time you get over a hardship, 
you just have the most rewarding feeling that you could ever possibly have just working with some of the most amazing people you could possibly meet. And it's okay if you don't have experience. Like I said, I did not, but I can guarantee you will have the best community to work with. You'll have every resource you need. All you have to do is talk to people. Everyone's a family here. And here I am two years later. I'm not tired of anything, anyone. I look forward to going in every day, seeing all those smiles. Yeah, we have bad days, but that's all part of it. Because in the end, you're there for the good parts. And that just makes it worth so much more. Wow, that's so beautifully said. I, I love that. Pursuing your RBT as a means to pay it forward. Like, Elise, you're incredible. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful perspective. And, and I think that once again, like once you have seen those experiences firsthand, you see that progress and you really authentically have bought in and understand what our science can accomplish, why wouldn't you want to go further, right? And the RBT is just one way that staff can look to grow in their profession. And you're right. We want to be part of that community to help support them because um, it doesn't just take a community to raise a child. Like it really takes a community to create a really thriving treatment team and clinical culture. And that's something that Essentria work very hard on and we're always looking to improve and grow in. So that's wonderful. So now let's go like full circle here. So you talked about, you know, how you had some really formative mentors, other technicians, other clinical staff that early in your career were there to support you. What are some of the words of advice that you give new behavior technicians now that you fast forward and you find yourself in that role where you can be that mentor to support others? So there was probably one of my most helpful moments I can ever think of. Um, it was probably after one of the worst, scariest behaviors I'd ever seen. I was very scared. And I'm not afraid to admit that because in the end, we're all gaining experience and that's never going to stop because we go learn every day. We learn from other techs. We learn from other BCBAs. We all keep learning, all learn together. But one thing she told me was, they're just kids. I mean, it's not belittling. It's It means that there's something precious. There's something pure and they're a a clean slate ready to be written on. There's nothing to be afraid of. They're there to learn and you're there to help them. Don't be afraid. Don't feel discouraged when you have a bad day because we're all going to have bad days no matter what. But I mean, in the end, they're just kids. Don't be afraid and you'll learn to work with them. You'll learn to love them, interact with them, and you'll be surprised how much they can teach you too. So well said. Yeah, I am constantly learning <laughs> from my learners, you know, and yeah, I think keeping that human element at the core of all that we do, fundamentally, it goes back to that question, how would you like to be treated in a situation? I think we can all recall a time in our lives or the time in the past week where we've had something difficult that's come up and we've had challenges and we had to overcome it and how grateful those individuals must feel and those parents must feel to know that there are Elise's out there to help guide <laughs> them through those difficulties because I'm going to use words that's always stuck with me. Um, children are our most treasured assets. So you are working with someone's most treasured assets. 
sleeping in their bedrooms upstairs during nap time are <laughs> my and my wife's most treasured assets. And you're right, you know, that's such a privilege to do what we do every day, being very mindful of there's going to be hardships and challenges along the way, but they're ones that can be overcome. And there's ones that can be overcome with a, a supportive community and a team of people that are moving towards the same direction for the same goals. So beautifully said, Elise. All right, I've got one more important question for you. So I'm talking to someone almost two years of experience in the field. And I remember you talking about, you got that phone call from a recruiter and it's to this day, you don't quite know. <laughs> like, how did they find my resume? That's impressive, right? But let's say you get, you get this phone call, it's two years ago, but the person on the other line is you right now, okay? okay. So, so what words of wisdom or encouragement or advice would you have to the Elise two years ago when she was considering making this career change? So it's okay, whatever you have your feet dappled in. Experience is experience because you're going to meet kids with every kind of passion in every kind of field. You can tell who's going to be the scientist, who wants to be the artist. And everyone has these amazing personalities. And in a sense, there's a kiddo out there that would be a perfect match for you to work with. I can't tell you how many just come with a bag full of their favorite stuff to look up that day or what they want to learn about. And they just want to be enriched by everything. So whatever experience you have, it doesn't have to be kid-related. It's experience in your bag that you can share with everyone. If they have a passion for it, share it. If not, that's okay too, because in the end, you're in an area where you're able to learn so much more. So don't feel so narrow with where you are, because you can always learn from the technicians, like I said, the BCPAs and the kids. And you just have to be open-minded, show up with a smile every day, and be passionate about what you do. Because it, it does grow on you, even if it's rough at first. Wow, I can't think of maybe some better words to end on, Elise. I think that your, your attitude and your perspective are remarkable. I think that the joy and the passion that you have for your work is undeniable. And I'm just so grateful. <laughs> for your time today, but most importantly, for the work that you do every day, which is truly changing lives. And uh, I just want to thank you on behalf of all of our families and staff and uh, just keep up the remarkable work. And we're going to have you on back soon because you just, you're so fun to talk to. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brian, but don't cut yourself short. I mean, you've been with this company too. You've had all the kids, you've met so many people and if I can say even a year ago, you were the one helping out with people who wanted a little extra training for the RBT exam. You were there for me as well. You were one of the people I looked up to when I first started. And I'm, I'm happy you're still here. And here I am talking to you all this time later. Oh, that is true. I'm touched by your words. And that means a lot to me. And one of the things that I'm most proud of to be able to stay is I, you know, I started at this company as a behavior technician many, many moons ago. And just the passion I have for our, our field has only grown exponentially. And just an awareness of the importance of the behavior technician role has only grown exponentially. So if this platform could be a, a means to celebrate and share these stories, um, I'd like nothing more. So thanks for being a part of this, Elise. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me on here, Brian. It's been great. 
Thank you, Elise, for that incredible conversation. And I'll close by saying both literally and metaphorically how grateful we are that you answered that call to serve many years ago. Now, lastly, I just want to share, we've got some incredible things in store on the feed. Tune in next week as we hear again from our ethics committee, as we talk about recent changes to the RBT ethics code, just an incredible insight and conversation. Finally, I'll just say, uh, stay tuned for some more special announcements on the RBT miniseries feed. All I will say is that soon to be test takers will be delighted to see what we have in store. Until next time.